With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Minor Nation? We're back with another episode of the Rush Podcast a few minutes late. Babe, but we here, baby. Alex didn't tell me there was a podcast tonight, so I just came in the door. Last minute. It was an emergency. No, but the, the truth is that we had technical difficulties. That's something, y'all. If y'all have been listening to the podcast for as long as we've been on, y'all know that it's pretty much, it's not a Rush podcast if there isn't any technical difficulties. Well, so. I mean, because we try to keep it original. We ain't no pro. <laughs> we ain't no Pulitzer Prize winner. We just some Homer-ass minor fans. That's up. right. No, 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 no. Some pissed off Homer minor fans right now. So. Lots to talk about. A lot going on with the Utah basketball program. Spring balls. Uh, well, I guess the the the, the scrimmage, the, the spring practice, the, 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 the practice glorified practice is coming, is, uh, up. coming up. That's going to be big. I like what they're doing. What's the inside? I like what they're doing as far as the fan fest and all that. We'll get into that a little bit later, but definitely a lot to talk about. Um, you know, obviously the Astros come. You know, Ace Town, Ace Town Pride. What if you, lose your, if you lose your concentration, though, I'm gonna have to change the channel. Yeah, that happened. That happened last year during. You start losing your turn of thought. Well, it, it is April. It, it's April. So if we're doing this, in we're September, like September. Yeah, this is September. I probably you probably have to have that rule. But either way, let's jump right into it, man. I mean, just um, I don't even want to say that this is surprising news. Honestly, I mean, you know, you can look at it from a different angle as far as oh, we're used to this now. Seven years, you know, heading into seven years in the employed or this is just a, a, a recent trend of college basketball, a recent trend here locally at UTEP. But obviously, you know, one player is out the door already. Lee Moore, you know, first off to Lee Moore, you know, a guy that, that I've kind of, I don't want to say I've grown closer like a buddy, but I've talked to him a lot, you know, over his time here at UTEP, really well-spoken kid, you know, a, a good guy. But, you know, there comes that time just like that Vince Hunter situation where we don't know whether he needs that money right away to pursue pro ball and, and kind of forego a college education. But either way, Lee Moore going to try his hand at the NBA. It's probably less than a 20% possibility that he even makes a summer league roster. I they definitely, I'm just being kind. I'm being a homer. But he's, more, he's headed to China in June, so good luck to Lee Moore. Then the second bombshell, which is kind of the bigger deal in my eyes because it kind of exemplifies what's being really going on with this program, is the situation with Omega Harris where as of right now, it's 50-50 on whether he's going to come back. As you guys read our report yesterday, he was suspended for violation of team rules. And if you follow college sports, I think you can kind of get where what a violation of multiple team rules is yeah. when you're dealing with college kids, you know, without airing this kid's laundry out there. But definitely a tough situation because it looked like this program was possibly turning a corner in terms of keeping guys, not so much – hey, this could be an NCAA tournament team, but you got a young core yeah, that, that. That, that you're developing that was showed promise. It wasn't a great year last year. It was definitely an underachieving year, overachieving at sometimes, but you finally feel like you have the stability, you have studs to build on, you have some needs that can be addressed, and all, and all that is out the window, and now you're in a cluster fuck and a half. Yeah. You know, so what's your thoughts on all No, I mean, you hit it right on the head, and I can agree with you that we were kind of turning, or we thought we were turning that corner of actually – holding on to guys and you 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 had a great nucleus of players coming back young players you know guys with experience you talk about a guy like Dominic Artis you talk about Lee Moore um you know you had these guys coming back and it seemed like with the additional pieces that that have already you know committed or guys that we know about you know maybe your McSwiggin or whoever it might be guys like Jones and and Thomas that didn't play a whole lot down the stretch, but guys that you know are going to be able to contribute. You, know, you had this whole this, this you you really had a team. Yeah, you know it was it wasn't a rebuilding year. I mean this is this is something that that you had a lot to build on, but but with the flashes that you saw on this team, there were only one or two they were only one or two pieces away from from really becoming a true contender in this league. Um, and, and, and it's kind of disappointing. I mean, but at the same time, this has become the status quo under Tim Floyd, you know, and, and enough's enough with, with just being a homer. And, you know, I still hear people out there that, that are all over Floyd, you know, that, that refuse to talk bad about Floyd, refuse to think negative about him. And, oh, this happens to other programs. And no, it doesn't. 
No, it doesn't. It may happen it, every it, two, three exactly. years. You know, you may, and not only that, I mean, guys are going to leave. That's yeah. not what we're talking about. You know, it's not just the simple fact that a guy is leaving the program. It's, it's that it happens every single year, multiple times a year with Tim Floyd. And, and it seems to get worse and worse as we go along with the reasons. I mean, you've had the, the gambling thing, and you had this thing with Omega Harrison. As far as we know, I know that Alex has kind of been a little – hasn't talked about it too much. Um, as far as you know, details or anything. But as far as we know, I, I'll be the one to break this. Omega Harris is is currently looking for another place to take him. You know, he's at, in a point in, in, in his time at UTEP where he doesn't have a scholarship, and if he's going to stay, he's going to have to pay his own way. And and because of that, he's looking elsewhere for anybody that's going to give him a scholarship. I don't know if he's going to get there. I mean, I wish the kid the best. I don't wish bad upon him for any kind of you know, dumb decisions or whatever you want to call it that he's made. But this team is falling apart before our eyes. You know, now there's news that, that possibly Dominic Artis is following uh, uh, Lee Moore in, into yep. the whole pro scene. These and and the, that even Broderick Jones is questioning, like, he's, you know, that's, that's a new uh, rumor with not too you know, much the, basis. The worst thing it, about this whole thing is, is that I don't, I can't, doubt any of it right exactly you know like normally you can say oh come on that guy's not leaving but with this program with the way tim floyd has got this program the the, where he has it right now you never know when you're going to wake up tomorrow and another guy's leaving i mean it just it's crazy to me and and at some point at some point you know before when guys used to leave, oh, this guy is transferring and whatnot, you know, you, you never really knew exactly why. You never knew what was going on. But at some point, it's got to it's gotta impact you negatively when you're, when you're going out there trying to recruit guys, especially when you're trying to recruit younger guys. You know, you might get these transfers, these JUCO guys that are only going to come in for a year or two anyway. But when you're really trying to recruit the top guys in, in high school basketball, why would they want to come play when they see this kind of turnover all the time with the players? Nope. You know, you, you these guys, you know, guys like Broderick Jones and, and, and Paul Thomas, I don't know what their, where their minds are, what their mindset is on, 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 on the program or what, if they want to be here or they don't, or I don't know. But, you know, those guys are guys that had offers to play at plenty of schools, as did a lot of these kids. And they come into this, this program where there's zero stability. I mean, at some point, that is going to impact you negatively. And, and I mean, it, you, you, I guess you might have already started to see it, but the only thing, in my opinion, that can possibly change at this point is, is Tim Floyd leaving. And come to find out today, I mean, that's not going to happen unless he has – I mean, looking at the details of his contract today, and this guy's pretty much signed through 2020 where either side – it's, it's it's an ultimate buddy deal. It's an ultimate buddy deal because from the inception of this contract, there was no buyout clause on either side. There was no penalty on either side. A $5,000 raise every year. I mean, this this is a contract that's pretty much, I mean, based off just, you know, hey, you're Tim Floyd. You're our, you're our son. You're going to come here and turn this around. doesn't matter how long you take. Now, that couldn't be, you know, the exact words, but that's what it seemed like this was, is that they just wanted – a stable head coach. They didn't want a revolving door when in actuality a revolving door was bringing wins and losses and, you know, revenue to the, you know, we're going to go a little bit deeper. You want to talk administrative stuff, those eras. Yeah. We may have been losing a Barbie. We may be losing whoever, but the program was making money. We were selling tickets. We were selling season tickets. Yes. Of course, when Tim Floyd came, the season tickets rose a little bit, but I remember going to games and there's consistently eight, 9,000 you know, 9,000 people, and towards the later that conference year, when people realize it's not, then you're getting your 10, 11,000. Those were the issues back in those days. Now the issues of just keeping a roster. You know, you look now, you got the back-to-back years, man. Back-to-back years, you're leading score both. And, and, and you know what? Okay, if this is a Kentucky, you know, if this was a Texas where your 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 leading score has this NBA potential. Now, this is not talking down on a Vince Hunter or a Lee Moore. You know, Vince Hunter had NBA stock, but it just wasn't at that point of where you leave after your sophomore year. And at the same time, when all the recruits that I've talked to have, have, have you know, since I've been a part of minor risk, they always gush about Floyd and Floyd can get me there. So why after a year, two years, why aren't these kids listening to this genius that everybody's portraying as a guy that's been and seen it and not listening and saying, look, you know what? I'm not saying you're not pro ready right now, but 
we want you to have a career. And I know that's what Floyd is, is pitching to these guys is, you know what? Yes, it's great to sign that one, that first year deal. But when you release, where's your stock to, ha- to sign another deal you know and have a career? You know and why crazy? aren't these guys listening to yeah. Floyd? I mean, and, and you have to assume that Floyd is telling them that. Yeah. Because exactly. especially when Vince Hunter left, I mean, we haven't heard much about what Floyd has to say with, with Lee Moore, but I would assume he's telling the kid that he's making a mistake. Yeah. You know, it, it, especially with Vince Hunter, we knew that was the case. He tried to hold on to him. He gave him, hey, you need to let us know by this time, you know, think about it, whatever. Give him space. Give him space. And and especially after seeing what happened with Vince Hunter, because you know what? Look, Vince was – he's not your everyday college basketball player. No. The guy has got serious, serious talent. You know, what he lacked in size of the big, he made up for in just brute athleticism. Motor. just, he just he could just get it done. But even at that, you know, he never got his opportunity to play in, in the NBA. He went into the D-League and completely demolished everybody. He was looking like a D-League MVP. And, and still at that, he didn't get his opportunity. And so now, you know, when you see guys like Lee Moore and Dominic Artis, seeing what, what he did and seeing how well he did in the D-League and still not getting that opportunity. I mean, that shows how hard it is to make it at that level, you know, to become an NBA basketball player. Because how tough it is to be an NFL player at that statistic, NBA is a trillion times harder. It's much harder just in the simple fact that the the rosters are a quarter of the size or less. Yeah. I mean, but it's just crazy to me that you would see this as somebody who's, you know, Dominic Artis was here, right? He, he sat out. He he was well. He, they didn't really get involved with him. I think until around this time. But he knew the Vince Hunter story. Regardless, no, you know, regardless, he, he, he sees it, and, and Lee Moore the same. You see this happen, and yet you're you're following in the same footsteps. And and you know, at the time, I mean, Vince Hunter actually had people telling him, "You could be a draft pick. You may, you may not." I mean, I can't imagine any scout is out there telling Dominic Artis or Lee Moore that they're possible NBA draft pick. And the truth is, if you're not a first-round draft pick, you might as well not get drafted because you're going have to have to work your way up. And, and I mean, it's just it's not even worth it if you think that you could possibly become that first-round draft pick later. But you know what, man? The, I mean, the only successful late-round draft pick I can think of is Isaiah Thomas from the, that's with the Celtics right now. But the kid's a stud. I mean, the kid's on a different level. And, and you know, that that's just kind of a comparison where, like you mentioned, if you're not drafted. on a different level at Washington. Yeah, right? yeah. And, on, and if you're not drafted in that lottery pick, you're not a guy that. This dude just got popped for three. Friars, damn. That's a good. Getting the, getting the back to that hot start that Astros got yesterday. But, I mean, it's just. My whole thing is, is you know, is that of why aren't these guys listening to a guy like Floyd that can, you know, that, that not only they listen to get here to UTEP, but, you know, you build a relationship with a coach. If you have ever been part of a program, you're away from your family. You're relying on this guy's life. John. This guy's, you're basically, he's your father. He's sort of feeding you after games. He's feeding you after practice. Like, I, that's what really kills me is the fact that how – are these guys totally tuned out from Floyd at a certain point? You know, is it the beginning of the year, everything is great. But once, you know, we all know Floyd, he's an old school coach. He's going to put you through hell through practice. Does that burn these kids' thought of, you know, that they're not looking at it like, hey, this guy's trying to make me better, but he's an asshole. But instead, it's, you know, he's an asshole. Fuck that. I ain't trying to go practice. I ain't trying to go to school. Like, I want to make money. It, it, could that be it? At this, you know, you, it, we don't know. But there is obviously some type of disconnect, some type of issue that is just bogging down the program. And this, and this leads into a perfect comment from Bishop Minor where we're talking about just a trickle-down effect of this, when we're talking about fans, when we're talking about the, the production of the program, Bishop Minor says rumors of more players considering leaving um, recruits shying away, disgruntled season ticket holders wanting to renew for next year. Some of these rumors happen every year, but I think now people are just fed up. It's something new all the time, and now the snowball is just getting too big for the staff and fan base to handle. CTF was getting blasted on Sports Talk yesterday. I know a lot of it is out of his control, but to me it's just a sad state because I've been such a, a big fan for many years. The program is regressing. Something has to change, and it has to happen soon. I mean, that, I, like you said, there is, you know, the, the, Tim Club, the Tim Floyd fan club, but on our website and, and our forum, I see more of that. I see yeah. more of that frustration because it's, it's a realistic look at where this program was just a couple years ago under – a revolving door of coaches 
And, you know, instead of, you know, yeah, we may have been bringing in JUCO guys or whatever or transfers and whatever it may be. But at the same time, there was that excitement of UTEP basketball. There was people in the seats. We were winning. There, you know, it, there was excitement that just has not been around this program since 2010. And unfortunately, I was living in Austin then. So I, I didn't even experience that or haven't experienced that type of recent success as a fan. So, I mean, you could just see that frustration on a lot of levels. So, you know, we talk about all this. So now what's next? Because tomorrow is a signing day period. You could possibly have up to three to four scholarships available. And looking, for sure, we've got two, For right? sure, two. For sure, two. Uh, you know, like well, you said, actually, Omega, Omega is, is on a 50-50 basis. And this is, what I, this is my personal opinion on Omega. You know, like I mentioned, Floyd has a whole month or so to try to fill out this roster. Now, this could probably go in all the way up until school starts in August. But my idea, whatever you want to call it on, on Omega, is if Floyd can't find a suitable replacement, then I think there will be a come to Jesus moment with Omega, with Omega's family to try to get this kid to realize, look, kid, you got some damn good talent. You could make a nice little pro career somewhere overseas if you can get your shit together in these next two years produce. That come to Jesus moment will happen. Now, what if Floyd finds, you know, a diamond in the rough, Juco transfer, whatever? That's the 50-50 part of it. That's where I'm thinking on the Omega situation. Okay, does Floyd stick to his guns and say, look, I'm not putting up with that shit no more. That's three big-time incidents with you violating big-team rules. You know, rules. You know, you got to go. That's really what, what's going to put that situation. Now you look at, at what they're trying to do in terms of filling, you know, current spots. And, you know, you got a guy like Roman Silva, a guy that they offered a couple of weeks ago, really looks like a true project. Looks like a guy that, that that's, that's a true project in the realm of, of a Hooper Vin, maybe even a Matt Williams to an extent. So you don't know what you're getting there. Yeah, a guy like uh, uh, Jacardo Hawkins, 6'8", 250, Juco guy. Perfect. We need a big body in the middle that could rebound. Don't know much about him. You know, those are your two front courts, your immediate needs that popped off before. Now, all of a sudden, now you need guards. And, you know, your only, your only offers are out to Paris Hicks, a, a, a Juco shooting guard who hasn't even taken a visit here. Don't really think he's considering UTEP at that moment. Chris Barnes, another uh, high school guard that, you know, as a high school guard, you're going to have another true freshman coming in here. You know, where do you go? They've been involved with Mike Bibby back, Mike Bibby Jr. Are they still involved with Mike Bibby? I doubt it. I really highly doubt that. And then now the transfer market and, you know, the list that I put together today, you know, the, the number one guy that makes sense would be Q Johnson from Washington State. Will Q Johnson want to come into this mess? Will any transfer that's looking for a new start, want to come into, you know, what is a mess. You know, these coaches have a mess on their hands. And, you know, so it's, it's just so much up in the air. And to compound all of this, like I mentioned, you got to put a roster together in the next month. You got to show these guys that, look, what, what's happened over the past couple months, let's put that behind us and let's go on. How hard? That's going to be tough sell. Anybody. I don't care if you're Tim Floyd. I don't care if you're John Calipari. What's crazy to me when you start looking at the roster and what we've got, um, is that these guys are, aren't really making an effort to, to change the style or, or the, the makeup of the team of what they had this year. We had to play four guards. Down. I mean, he talked about it since day one pretty much about playing four guards, but it took him more than half of the season yeah. to finally commit to that. And, and at this point, you've got the same team coming back and more guards. You don't, you don't have a whole lot. I mean, I think Broderick's and, and – Thomas show that they're not bigs, man. Nah. Like they might put on some weight and they might be able to, to bang a little Stretch bit, but they're not. But with... they're not bigs by any stretch of the imagination. They're even just... even you know Terry Wynn, he's a big because he plays hard and he bangs down there. But it's I mean five and a half. Yeah, he's not he's not a true five, and that's what they need him to be. And so and, and you look at okay, Matt Williams is coming back, right? But and I hope that he's back for good. I hope he's healthy. No, I hope nothing happens. But you just know, don't man, know yeah. with that. So you really man. don't know with injuries like that, with big men like that. And and so Floyd even talked about that. And so it's just kind of crazy to me that they haven't even tried, or I'm not saying they haven't tried, but that they wouldn't make it, you know, a priority to go out and get a big to really provide some depth, so that way we're not forced to score 90 or 100 points a game and play these four guard sets that really go against everything that Floyd's ever coached. You know what I mean? Everything that he's ever stood for has been, you know, defense and, and grind it out. Playing and, the 50s, 60s. Yeah, playing low be, be, be able to win a game when you're shooting less than 40%. And, and like you mentioned, the big, let me drop a bombshell right here while, while, while we got the stage. You know, they did bring in that thick bull kid. 
you know, a couple weeks ago, ended up committing to Southern Illinois. Word on the street, Floyd said no. Floyd said no. It wasn't that because if you look at it, you know, the kid, I'm looking at it like, okay, Southern Illinois, he's from the Nebraska area. You know, he wants to stay close to home. Now, come to find out today or last night, you know, a couple of sources saying that Floyd said no to take ball. What the fuck? I mean, this guy isn't a guy that's going to come in here and score 20 and 10. But looking at his film, I mean, his athleticism as far as a shot blocker and presence was needed. I mean, let his, he had he was a three-year guy. He could develop that offensive game. We need that monster of an athletic guy that can just go up there and clear the boards, whether it's a block shot, just whether it's a rebound. Space. Take up space. And that that is what's more frustrating. That should compound frustration on the comment thread because we've talked about how they're not active on the big. And the big, they get in. And the big, to me, I thought Thick Bull fit perfectly watching his film. I'm thinking, damn, like, this is kind of what this team needed. It's hard to go out there and get you a 6'11 all-around post that could just do it all. Yeah. But to get a guy that could do something that you really need at a high level, I know, granted, you know, you look at the Juco film, some of those games he's dominating. You know, the athletes don't compare. But that could translate to two, three blocks a game, something minor, something that could have helped yeah. here this year. That's disappointing to me where we're saying no to those guys. Now, now, okay, just, now granted, if, there was, if the kid had a personal problem or there was something Floyd found out about him, okay, I get it. But at this point, you need bodies, bro. I mean, you need bodies. And it's, and more, that, than just, it's more than just his production. You need the bigs to be in there and, and like I said, take up space. It, it's going to change the team's game plan. You know, you look like what NMSU had with Bullars, even though obviously those guys were freaking freaks at seven six or whatever and seven four or whatever the heck their size were, but um, you know it, it changes the team's game plan. It makes them, you know, completely f- uh, change what their focus is, and and we don't have that. We don't have, when they when they play us minus a Matt Williams, they're looking at a team with a a, a, a spot. Basically, what six 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 seven? Maybe how tall is Win? Honestly, he's six five and a half. <laughs> we're looking at, you know, you have nobody on the on the floor that's taller than about six six, maybe six seven at times with the Thomas and Brock guys. I mean, it's just, oh man, dude, I don't it's, even know what to it's, say it's anymore. A, yeah, man, honestly, it's like it's just getting to this point I mean, where where it's one thing after another. It's like it's like homie said in the in the comment about it being the snowball effect, and it's just everything's just adding up and and I don't even know what to say with Floyd anymore man honestly I've been saying it for more than two years now bro it's it, it's time for him to go it's time for him to go I mean it's just it, it's not gonna happen I mean I I do not see it happening this coming year with us you know returning to glory and getting back to the NCAA tournament and contending for conference I don't like with everything that we're seeing happen right now and we're this late in the process trying to scrap together a lineup you know I don't see things all of a sudden, you know, making this huge dramatic change and all of a sudden we're a conference title contender. Nope. I, I don't see that. And if that's not the case, then what what is Floyd doing here? You know, and, and, and what are the expectations of the athletic? That's the biggest thing to me is what are the I, expectations I've about of the I've talked about it with people around the program and, and not even just around the athletics department more than that. And, and you know, I, my, my feelings, my thoughts, I probably even said it on here before, is just that we have an athletic director and a coach, a head coach, and Tim Floyd that are just comfortable and that don't need to prove anything at this point in their career. Bob Stahl, he, he, was, he was a good coach, you know, went on, had some, some success. You know, he became the athletic director. He made a few good moves yeah. and, and whatever. You know, he's done pretty well for the – Upgraded the Sumble big time. Upgraded the Sumble, you know, facilities and whatnot. But at this point in his career, he needed the safe hire. Yeah. He needed something, just stability, just safe, just and, – and, and El Paso was willing to accept it because he's a son of the program. He coached under Don Haskins. And we thought that it could – I mean, you know, there's potential. You look at the – and that's another thing. You go back into these recruiting classes that Floyd's brought in and name me one or two guys, the, the highest rated guys that actually made it to the junior year. I'm not saying graduated or, or took us too close to it. Just made it to their junior year, made it to their third – Second year, it just hasn't happened, and, and I mean, I agree, man. It's just there's got to be something because you're gonna lose money. You're, they're gonna have next year. Well, they're already losing. They're already, money. They're already losing. In fact, we were. We, I don't remember. I'm sure you saw it. I think you retweeted it or something. Oh Somebody yeah. Had about the all the programs in Texas, and they showed how much they're how much money they're yep. making. And UTEP was losing. I don't remember how and many billions a was, year. was their highest. Yeah, and that's the only one that's making money. But even at that, I guarantee you, it's not making what it was. Under Gillespie, under Barbie, you know, when we were, you know, cracking the top 25, making the NCAA tournament, you were packing the – every time I go to that Don Haskins Center, man, and I see 
oh, announced 8,000, whatever. It's bullshit, bro. Half. There's like this, this year, half. There's yeah. like 6,000 there. And on, and honestly, like, that, that's not even – like, that's not what UTEP basketball was about for decades. That's not what I grew up watching UTEP basketball. And it's sad, man. Like, it really is sad that the person that's doing this is Tim Floyd. What sucks is, like you were talking about a minute ago with, you know, his contract, how it's a buddy deal. It's a straight-up homie deal. It's, it's, you know, you're here as long as you want. You let me know when you don't want to coach anymore. You're, you're here until 2020 because, to me, that's that's a fair date. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and honestly, like, it, the only way he's leaving is if he steps down. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to fire him. Nobody's going to fire him. Until he just gets pissed off with all this crap that's gone on. Unless he does something crazy, nobody's going to fire him. And, and that's just – it just sucks that the, that the program is basically held hostage by one of its own. I mean, it's, cra- I mean, it's crazy you think that, you know, this was possibly a year where, you know, like we mentioned, everybody's coming back. You get – you finally be, get, being able to schedule up a little bit, you know, obviously a one-year hiatus. But, you know, I, I think that's probably another frustrating thing because, you know, Floyd probably was feeling okay. We got some stability. Now we can really go out there and possibly schedule a couple of games, even if we lose – Bucket, it's an RPI booster. We have the bodies to at least contend. Now, you know, you're gonna piss off fans because it's gonna be another, you gotta have another cupcake schedule. You can't, you you can't go out. You, your toughest games are gonna be that Charleston tournament again. Yeah. You know, those are gonna be your toughest games because you just cannot simply. You're gonna get obliterated. I mean, look at it. You, you, your top three players next year, and DA is on the man. Obviously, Terry Wynn and McSwiggin. Those are your three guys. Those are your big three coming in the next year. You know, Omega, like I said, I'm not even putting him in the equation right now because he's 50-50. He's out on, on the island somewhere. So those are your those are your three studs coming back, your three studs that you're going to rely on. You know, and like I said, that's really two and a half because we don't know if Artis is going to come back from his summer workouts. You know, Artis, Moore, and Harris are close as hell. You know, that you don't you – just, there's this <laughs> – Hit me, slap me with a Jordan crying meme because I'm about to cry on this damn podcast, bro. It's sad, man, but – I mean, damn, dude, it's going to be a long offseason, a long offseason and an interesting month to see how this roster is basically glued, taped, MacGyvered together, bro, because damn, damn, you know, Daniel. What's funniest about all of this, though, is that if Floyd goes and puts together a team next year that gets the NCAA tournament, we'll be sitting here talking about how much we love him. Just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, honestly, I mean, of course, we'll be in the moment. We'll be all happy, but. You know, it, right now, you know, if you if you just take a step back and you see what has gone on for seven years, man, it's not good. It's not good. Bullshit. You know what? I mean, I hope it gets headed in the right direction because we have no other choice right now. You know what I mean? Like like I said, we're held hostage at this point. Yep. But I'll, to me, you're 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 alienating your fan base. And your loyal fan base. Loyal because fan base. Well, who else are people going to root for around here? There's two from Rasmus, two, two bases. What a fire. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even me personally, man, like, I didn't make it to a lot of games this year. It's like, hard to I, get I, up for it. it and, and it was just – it was the first time in my life, and not just my adult life. I mean, since I was, like, able to go to games, you know, since I was probably six, seven years old, I was going to games every single game that I possibly could go to. If I, every single game. And, and this was the first year. It kind of started last year a little bit, but this was truly the first year where I just didn't have a desire to go. Like, I just didn't even care to watch them. You know, when they used to be out of town, I'd be looking for a stream. I'd be, looking for, I'd be following GameCast, reloading, reloading, refreshing, 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 you know, see what's going on every single play. I'm just, now I'm just like, whatever, man. Like, I just, I'm at that point, and, it's, and I blame it on Floyd. Like, it just, I have no desire to watch that guy's team. Like, it just – I already know what I'm getting, you know, and it's sad. It's nope. really sad. It's sad, man. It's, and it, I, I'm gonna cry. it's just not going to get better. I, like we said, it, I don't, you don't see it getting better, man. But either way, a lot of – you know, keep up with the rush. We'll try to keep – stay on the scoop as much as possible because there's going to be a lot – there's going to be a lot of – a lot of shit's going to pop off in the next month, whether coming, going – Signing, staying, whatever. I mean, there's going to be hopefully a, there's a some good news coming up with some some commits and whatnot. Any news on on Reinhardt? He's the Mar- he went to Marquette. He, oh, did he? Yeah, he, you know, that. yeah. I, I didn't see it until Sunday. He actually canceled his visit. Oh, really? Over the weekend. So he didn't I didn't even, even know that. Much. I didn't even I didn't see that until Sunday. So when I saw that on Sunday, and I'm out of loop. Yeah, I mean, that was just that that was kind of heartbreaking to me once I seen that. Before. I never really thought we had a true shot. I mean, when you looked at the schools that he was looking yeah. at, you know, was it, who was it? Was it was Nova one of them? 
No, I, I think it's Xavier. It was Xavier. I think Xavier was one of them. I mean, I, I figured that it was going to have – UConn was like, on that list UConn, too. yeah. I, I figured that there was like a 40% chance, but that it would have to be because he felt comfortable because of Floyd and Kent too. And obviously, you know, that was out the window because they didn't even show up. You know what I mean? So that's yeah, I mean that's tough. The other thing is like these guys are years years removed from, from their SEC days, man. Exactly, like, man. Like it, it isn't this isn't oh Floyd coached last year or two years ago or Cantu or anybody. <laughs> like we're talking about and, and in fact Floyd is already what ten years removed. Because he was a year out before he right. I mean this is I I don't know. Let's move on to football, man. We could, we could talk all night about this all and, right. and just cry about it or something, but let's just let's just move on to football. Man, so like we're mentioning, you know, I, I like it, it's a tough draw. Like I was telling Anthony, you're you're on average football fan. You know, Friday's scrimmage will put you to sleep. You know, because these guys are basically going through their scrimmage practice. You know, the, the way that when they when we, you know, when I write about them scrimmaging, this is what you're gonna see. You know, it's 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 really structured. You know, there's no game type of deal. There's just situational football. It's a practice. It's not a game. It's a practice. It's a, a very good work opportunity. But I really like what the athletic department is doing and putting that fan fest. You know, they have like a live band. I don't even know who it is. Giving away thousands of hot dogs, giving hats to the to the students. That's an effort. That's yeah. something that's very very respectable and commendable because you're competing with El Paso Chihuahuas opening day, next day. Or, or the same day, which I think is kind of stupid. I really think we need to move that to like a Saturday afternoon just so I can make an extra 30 bucks going to Chihuahua's game. But, you know, I, so first of all, I really, really like that. I really think that's a good touch. You know, out of really add seats in the, add butts in the seats. It could, it maybe. We'll see how that goes. They've been decently attended under Cougar. I think when I would go to Mike Price's uh, spring games, those were a lot way more attended. Those were very heavily attended and really, you know, exciting, obviously, because of the passing game. But, there's a lot to look out for, you know, this this Friday. And obviously the big thing we've been talking about, the quarterback competition, and it took a little bit of a turn or a twist with Mac Leftwich having that surgery and basically yeah. being out into what, you know, what could – something that could linger into fall. And I don't know about how far into the fall, but it seems like a pretty significant injury. So now you're down to two, Kavika Johnson, Ryan Metz. They're both probably going to get equal reps, and they, they're going to definitely spread it up to ones and twos. But I think – You'll see Kavico run a little bit with the ones. See Met run with the twos. They're definitely going to mix it up because the couple practices that I've seen, they're using heavy packages with these skill guys, bro. I mean, it's ridiculous. You got you, you could have Terry Junell, Batson, Freytag, and Jaquan White on on one play, simple run. Then you're bringing in a whole different calvary of wide receivers, like uh, tight ends, and and you're missing your Aaron Jones. You're missing your your uh, you know. Uh, Hayden Plink right now. So you're going to see these guys, and I think what they're trying to build is some sort of continuity slash consistency with these wideouts, with these skill guys. Not only that, but you have a two-deep offensive line where eight of those guys have legitimate shots at getting a crack in the starting job. Five of them have been starters the past couple of years. So the offensive angle is going to be really interesting to watch to see really which quarterback has developed some type of chemistry. You know, I've really seen from my couple of days of practice, I've seen Cole Freytag and Ryan Metz really, really click. And Freytag, we saw his ability last year. And, and obviously Batson too. Batson's another guy that him and Metz just click. They're ballers. They understand each other. I think that's something that we really, really want to keep an eye on. Just that continuity, just because everything else is going to come. They have a whole fall whole summer to install everything they need to install offensively but that chemistry I think is important for this team because you have that type of talent second thing I think we want to look out for is the defense and and not so much scheme wise but check out some of the depth that we have there because right now linebacker all these guys that you're seeing at linebacker on Friday will more than likely not be in the mix for a starting job now minus Silas firstly minus Nick Usher Minus Cooper Foster. I'm trying to think of some other guys off the top of my head. Maybe even a guy like Johnny Jones, who's a transfer that came in and really had a strong, a strong spring. But really keep an eye on this depth that the defense has because I really like the depth. Like I said, linebacker, you, we'll get that full feel in the fall because obviously you got to get Alvin Jones back healthy. You know, you're, you're going to get a couple other guys, some freshmen that are going to come in and probably step in. But secondary defensive line depth, I really like it. I really like what we're going. To, the, the number one guy that stood out to me, Brendan Royal, he was a JUCO guy that we signed. He redshirted last year. This is another guy that's just a physical. He looks like a safety. You know, you look at some of the safety 
we had last year, Michael Lewis, they were a little bit skinny, you know, but this guy's a safety. And, and that's really going to be the strength of this team because now they're playing more of a zone coverage. You're seeing guys read and react. You're not seeing guys, you're not seeing a Kalon Beverly like this. Yeah. You're seeing Kalon Beverly like this with his eyes on his defender and on the football. And, and that's something that you guys also want to watch in terms of scheme is how, these, how the defense has changed where now they're backpedaling instead of running. And, and guessing and trying to get their head turned around to get burnt deep. Now it's just, you know what, you're reading, you're in zone, you're in the zone blitz. And not only that, but a guy like Stylus Firstly, a guy like Nick Usher, who I know they haven't really uh, exploded the defense in terms of blitzes and all the glamour that they're going to do. But you see these guys with being able to stand up and being able to move and, and get through blitzes and get through the offensive line. I'm really, really excited to see the defense kind of just really more during the season when they have their full cavalry of not only players, but playbook because they haven't really installed much right now. They're keeping it real basic and vanilla, but those are two things on the offense and defensive side that I think are very important offensively, that continuity with the skill players and defensively continuing to build that depth because you're going to need all these guys that you're going to see out there. Like I mentioned, some of these guys in the, pretty much in the, in, in the, in the linebacking core and some of the secondary, you'll see them battle for spots in the fall, but if one injury goes down, these guys are your are your guys. Yeah. So that's going to be important. I mean, what about what about a quarterback? You know, talk about the the left twitch injury, the surgery. But what assuming this lingers into the season, what happens if one of these guys goes down in spring and, and that's or in summer? God forbid that happens. But I'm just saying. And that's going to be my question to Cougar after the spring game because you're bringing in a guy like Mark Torres, who I believe that he's a project. You know, I. I I really what what I could command this kid the last time I went out to practice with a scrimmage, he was right there, right behind Bent Peace of the quarterback. I love that shit. That shit got me fired the fuck up. I didn't tweet it or nothing I should have, but you know, I was just like, that's what's up. You never see that show. Of course, of course, you know, how many kids get opportunity to have their division one team right in their backyard where you can just travel to practice. But that right there showed me commitment. But that's a big question. Will Cooler be in the market for a transfer quarterback? Will he you know what what is that's a big time question. Big, big time question. Because the way that this offense seems to be running, from my observation of it now, this is minus Aaron Jones, but the quarterback is going to be a big deal in this. It's not going to be just hat, turn around and hand it to 2-9. It's not going to be that no more. It's going to be based off quarterback reads, quarterback play, and that's going to be huge. And my question would be, are you comfortable enough with a guy like Mets, a guy like Kavika Johnson, you're going to go out in the offseason and just look for quarterback depth instead of looking like, hey, I need a guy to come in here and compete. So that's a big, big question, something that I really want to ask Kugler. And, you know, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but kind of grill him, you know, like, hey, that, that could something be. something that we talked yeah. about in the past about them not going after quarterbacks in, in you know. Recruiting. And the chances linemen in the other positions. Yeah, and which is great because job. we know what they're trying to build. But I think more than that, it was we talked about, we're kind of intent, content in giving uh, Leftwich the starting job. I mean, and just developing that yeah. and, and let him come along. And, and that so, didn't happen. I don't know. I mean, now you kind of see it backfiring a little bit when one guy drops out. I mean, now you're down to two. If, you know, God forbid, it, but if something happens, you're down to one. You're in an emergency quarterback situation. And I mean, we're, we're, we're going into the summer already, you yeah. know, like this isn't yeah. like early in the recruiting period where you could just go pick some guy up, exactly. you know, that could fill a spot if you need him. I mean, we're, we're you're late in the process, so I don't know. I mean, that's definitely something to think about. Defensively, I like I like what you're talking about. You know, you're seeing some of these younger guys start to come around. I mean, you expected stuff like you're talking about from Kellon Bever. We saw him get, you know, beat a few times. He's a freshman. I yeah. mean, you're going to expect that from those younger guys. That's but a that, tough defense. But the one thing that you can always expect from Sean Coug- from a Sean Cougar coach team is that they're going to be fundamentally sound. Yeah. You know, that's what won Boise State, or that's what made Boise State. They weren't the, the, the best athletes. They weren't all these four- and five-star guys, but they were fundamentally sound. They, they took care of business. Themselves. Everybody did their job, and as a team, they were successful. You know, and that's, that's what Cougars trying to instill here, and so you start to see that with these guys. You know, defensively, they're starting to, you know, just play better in their, in, in their position, you know, know how to play their position. Makes, as, a, as a whole, it makes the unit better. And, and let me say this. As, as baby boo as a football take, this sounds, you know, it sounds pretty basic, but – you know, the past couple of years, we're watching a Scott Stoker defense. And how many times are we watching the field and there's a defensive back or a linebacker? Hey, what, what's my call? Yeah. What, what am I doing? Yeah. And they finally get the call in. And by the time that quarterback's realizing, oh, shit, I got him. 
okay, now you're – but you're not ready to play. What I've noticed with this 3-4, these guys are ready. Yeah. There's no – look. Tom Mason and Darius Bell are making the calls. They make a call, and, and the players how go. Many, how many react. of these kids played a 4-2-5 growing up? None of them. I you know? Jerry now, now maybe that. not all of them did, played a 4-3. Maybe it was a base th- – uh, I mean, a 3-4. Maybe it was a base 4-3. I don't know. But the thing is, you know, you can easily adjust to this. With the 4 Five, there's so many moving pieces, complex, and it's man. very complex. So that's why you always had guys lost. Yep. And and you'll definitely see that change again. You know, talking and that's about something, that's something and, that I've seen a big change of the defense because these guys, instead of looking to the sideline, now they're reading plays, and now you're seeing that fourth linebacker. He knows whether if there's a tight end on my end, I'm coming out, I'm splitting my edge wide, and I'm coming off the edge. Or that tight end's there, I'm moving closer to my mic line. Like, you can just see that now it's instead of looking towards that sideline, they make one play, one play call, and every position group knows, look, there's my adjustment. I don't need to look to the sideline. Here's my adjustment right here. They're making calls in between them. And that's really a big thing that I really wanted to talk about on the defense is, is as sophomoric as, as, a, as a, a weak football take, you can look at that. The fact that <laughs> that's a big deal because that's something that we have seen – a Scott, Scott Stoker defense really struggle with just getting lined up, just getting lined up. And, 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 you know, most of the time they'll get lined up, but we're still getting beat over the top because the safety isn't there. You're not seeing that no more at all. I can guarantee you the two, the two practices that, that I went, I did not see a blown coverage at all, not one blown coverage. And that was one of the bigger things that UTEP has struggled with under Scott Stoker. So I think defensively, I, I think defensively right now, reading about the last scrimmage and kind of seeing the pieces that they have, I would say the defense is definitely ahead of them right now, but offensively, I mean, with the skilled players that they have a guy, I remember talking about Elliot Oldham and I really wasn't too high on Elliot, but this is a guy that really, you could tell you benefited from his red shirt year. Terry Junell looks like a guy that, that could be a, a chain mover, a, a third and six or a third and four. And you run a little out to Terry Junell and he may not break a 20 yard game, but you guarantee his quickness will get him free for seven, eight yards. You know, Eddie Senegal, another guy that it, 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 he's not explosively fast, but he's very deceptive in his moves. And there's another another chain mover. I mean, you've got so many different guys that can do different things for you. Like I mentioned, you, you roll in that first set of, of receivers. Like I mentioned, then you roll out Oldham. Then you roll out Senegal mixed with the with the plink. With the, there's so many freaking options on this team. And not only that, but you're, you're going to get – a guy, you know, like Dupree that's going to come in here and be kind of that bulldozer. Uh, shoot, what a party at. <laughs> yeah, Antonio Dupree, you know, that running back that, that they signed. You know, there, there's, there's, you know, obviously, you know, you don't know when you're going to get AJ29 back, but you know what you're going to get from that. Yep. So there's definitely some potential for this team, but, you know, they got to get healthy. There's still some injuries that are lingering. That's a big thing coming And you got to stay healthy. You know, you got to keep those. You know, UTEP right now off the top of my head has about – Five to six guys that they just cannot afford to go down, like at all, at all. You cannot afford to lose these guys. And if these guys can stay healthy, this schedule, it, it is different from saying, oh, UTEP's going to win eight games or seven games. When we look at this schedule, it, okay, bro. I mean, there's really no excuse for that. I was looking that. at it the other day. And actually, we could take a we could take a quick stroll down the schedule. I don't think we've talked about the schedule but, on the podcast. But it, to me, it's, it, it, it's, it's very manageable. It's very manageable, not only with the seven home games, but the way that it sets up who they have early at home on, Early on play. is going to be the tougher game. Yeah. Oh, no. You doubt know, you start it. off with the UTEP spring football game. So we should be 1-0. Oh. I'm thinking. <laughs> Orange <laughs> No, you start off against New Mexico State. You're at home. You know, that's a tough one. Larry point, Rose. Look, at beat. some point, New Mexico State's going to break this streak, man. But you hope it's not this year. And then you, you turn around. You got to go to UT. I mean, you're pretty much going to chalk that one up. I'm as ready to party down you know, there, boy. We, hopefully, we can put up a good show and maybe stay in the game. You never know. But on the road, I, I, I think you got to chalk it up. Either way, well. we're drinking Army's beer. going to be a tough one, man. Yeah. Because of the style of offense that they play. And Army's then they, they're be, down, but you're, you're right. I mean, it's. It's it's always tough to stop that triple option that run run it 800 times a game. You know, it, I, I'm not saying it's a win or a loss. That's going to be a tough game, yeah. and I wouldn't just go and say, "Oh, they're down." It's a win. I, yeah. By all means, I would not say that. Southern Miss obviously turned it around this last year. Lost their head coach, but they still got talent. They're bringing I mean, back most of that team, and luckily that game's at the crib. So you got Army, you got Texas Army, Southern Miss, Louisiana Tech. That that four game stretch is going to be telling as to how good this season is. Because yeah. it, it should be a bowl season, but is it going to be a, a six to seven win season, or is it going to be an eight 
nine, maybe yeah. nine win season. You know, I don't want to go any further than and, that. And that's why I was talking about the schedule has that pot- yeah, potential. That's potential, potential, word. you know. But look, if you can come out of that stretch, right, right, these first five games at three and two, you, you're talking Texas and somehow come out two and one in these games, you know, you, you're, you're, that's, you, you're pretty much set up from there. You got FIU at home. You're at UTSA, Old Dominion at home, Houston Baptist at home. I mean, at that point, you could all of a sudden be seven and two, you know? You talk about this stretch here because your only road game in that, you know, from October 8th against FIU to November 5th is at UTSA. Yeah. So, I mean, Which is almost a home game. It, and so you could be seven and two at that point. Then you finish off at FAU, at Rice, North Texas. I mean, those games aren't that tough either. So, I mean, I, again, I think this stretch is where it's all going to be decided. Yeah. You know, you got Texas. Again, chalk it up as a loss in my book. But Army, Southern Miss, Louisiana Tech. Tech I mean, th- those are all games that could changing games. Yeah, but they could all be winnable games, but they could also be losable games. Game, I mean, yeah. those are the types of games that one bounce goes your way or goes against you, and all of a sudden, you know, you're you're on the wrong end of it. Talk about the Louisiana Tech game last year where you're in a game and, and you know, you got an opportunity to win, you're set up, and then all of a sudden you miss the kick and it's over, you know? Yeah. And so those those types of mistakes are not, you know, going to help you, but I'm saying – that right there, that stretch. I don't know, man. That's that's where it's all going to be decided. Yeah. If, if if you go and you come out of that stretch at you know one and four or something, all of a sudden you're you're in some you're in you're in deep trouble. We're talking women's basketball <laughs> at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. I mean, it, and really, what I want to see. You mentioned that stretch, and, and the, let, let me let me just mic drop the podcast with this right here. You know, Sean Coogler in his last or Sean Coogler's first. Was it three years? Four, four, three years, right? He's got the same record as Mike Price, and Mike Price's last three years, same exact record. Sean Cougar needs a big win this season. You know, you go back to that seven and five year, really didn't beat anybody. You know, and in all fairness, you really, you know, I don't know what the record is against a team with a winning record, but I don't think we beat a team with a winning record under Cougar. Might have to go back in the record books. On that look under under uh, under Coogler, I don't know if we've beaten a team with a winning record under Sean. I think the only team with a winning record would be uh, Middle Tennessee. I think they came in here six and five when we locked up eligibility. Yeah. But what basically what I'm trying to get to is that stretch of you know like you mentioned that that, that Southern Miss, that Louisiana Tech, even Army. You've got to get a, a signature win against one of those teams. Why? Because Southern Miss is starting to become that class of the league again last year. Louisiana Tech has been one of the most consistent teams in Conference USA since they've ended. And those are West Division opponents that you need to go in there and take care of business, whether it's at home. So that's really where I think the pressure is as far as that early schedule. You know, Sean Cougar needs to prove, you know what, I got this thing on the right track. Not only with the academics, not only with, you know, my roster, my recruiting, but we're beating the teams in our conference that are perennial contenders or have grown themselves in perennial contenders. And that's what I think I want to see this program take that next step is winning those games where we've looked in the, I mean, there's been so many stretches in, in the past couple of years where like, damn, that's a tough stretch. If they can come out of that, you know, one and two of what happens, they end up going 0 and three with a bad blowout FIU last year. Sean Cougar needs to change that trend of, of the program under him and beat shit out of a Southern Miss at home, not just squeeze by them, go out there and dominate and then go to Louisiana Tech and be able to, to hang with them and, and prove that, you know what, your style of football, you could run it down their throat and wear it down in the fourth quarter on the road and play some good defense. That's what I want to see this schedule, and that's what I want to see out of this football team this year because I believe the pieces are there. I believe the depth is almost there, but I think it's well enough to manage through this schedule, but you got to grab one of those wins. you got to knock off a Southern Miss. Yeah. you got to go on the road and beat Latte. You have to. If you want, if, if you know, I'm listening to Nate Paz talk about Sean Cougar was in a meeting today talking about, I want to win a conference championship. I want to win conference championship and take it. You know, they had a coaches meeting today and that was Cougar's message. Well, Sean, you got to beat the shit out of Southern Miss. You got to go up there in Louisiana Tech. You got to take their fucking cookies, bro. Yeah. Like, you got to do that. And, and even to a point, Go in there and fucking give Texas a hell for a half. You know, shit, a 21-14 game at the half, you know, something. You got, there's got to be some type of thing where Sean can build it and say, look, on field now, we got this thing going. And that's what I want to see because I want to see this guy do well. I really want to see Sean Cougar do well. And I'm going to fucking use that moment, bro. Yeah, so. no, but you know what, man? Like, overall, I've had my doubts with Sean Cougar. I've had my issues with the way the offense was run and so on and so on. But – He's got this thing heading in the right direction, man. He's got a plan, 
And maybe I don't like exactly how it's done because it's not the flashiest, yeah. you know, it's not what we were used to under under Mike Price. But he's he knows what he's doing. He's got his plan and he's sticking to it. And and so far, man, it, it's working out. He made some real big moves that we saw in the offseason, coaching wise and whatnot. That you know, looking like it's paying dividends. It's looking like it's paying paying dividends, and and you know, hopefully that translates into the fall. And look, he he knows what he's doing. We'll just leave it at that. He knows what he's doing. He's got his plan. And, and he's one that has earned, in my opinion, earned the right to, to be able to, to work out his plan. Unlike, you know, another one of our head coaches. That's the one we talked about at the beginning yeah, of this like great podcast. We were on fire today. I ain't trying to toot our own horn, but. <laughs> oh, man. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Rush Podcast in the books. Y'all know where to find us. Well, actually, I should find Alex, really. See if we can make Find Alex. I, I chime in every now and then, but. <laughs> You can find AlexMinorRush.com, SBN Minor Rush on Twitter, SBNMinorRush at gmail.com. See how, see how out of the loop I am? I don't even remember how to do this anymore, man. But you know where to find us, though. You know where to find us. You know where to find Alex. Hit us if, up. If you see me at the spring game on Friday, say what's up. Buy me a beer. We'll talk a little for <laughs> UTEP football, whatever, man. I know y'all going to be out there. I'm serious. Hit me up. If y'all going to go out to the spring game, hit me up. Get me email, Twitter, whatever, on the comment thread. We'll meet up. We'll sit in the Minor Rush section or whatever. We, you know, we can do it. We can do the damn thing, but. We'll see what's up. Stay tuned to Rush because this month is going to be a lot of basketball stuff going on. I can yep. guarantee you that. So appreciate y'all. Hey, we don't do this enough. We don't do this enough, but thank you all for your support. It, it means a lot. You know, I know we don't get a million comments on there, but y'all read it, and I appreciate that shit because it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort into it, and appreciate the support. So appreciate y'all going there and, and making this thing a forum, you know, and, and it really means a lot to me. And, hey, shh, old fucking miners. <laughs> put a crew with a tear in my eye. <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.